Hello and uh, welcome to Searching for the Question Live. My name is David Orban and I am very glad to have all of you connected to the show. Uh, we are streaming simultaneously on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, and you can comment on each of those platforms and your questions and remarks. I will be able to take and uh, answer uh, if they are appropriate and relevant, as I'm sure they mostly will be. Uh, I also invite you to uh, join uh, my Patreon on uh, uh, patreon.com slash David Orban uh, in order to uh, support the show, uh, as well as uh, to uh, follow uh, our future episodes by subscribing to the YouTube channel uh, or liking the Searching for the Question page on Facebook. Today's uh, episode is, uh, um, for me, very exciting because it has to do uh, with one of the most exciting fields uh, uh, there is today, that of artificial intelligence. In particular, the aim to uh, understand, uh, design, implement artificial general intelligence. And today's guest uh, has been a friend for uh, well, very long, maybe 15 years, maybe more, uh, who is counting? But uh, uh, Ben Gertzel and I have uh, collaborated on, on uh, many projects. Uh, we did, for example, the uh, AGI conference together for a few editions. Uh, uh, well, I helped, and uh, it was uh, uh, Ben's uh, show, as well as of all uh, uh, the wonderful speakers uh, talking about the topics around uh, this uh, theme. And uh, of course, uh, Ben uh, is also the founder of uh, SingularityNet, the platform for uh, AI applications, taking advantage of novel approaches of uh, decentralized distributed computing. And um, I am very much uh, looking forward to uh, be uh, having this conversation with Ben. So without further ado, thank you and welcome Ben Gertzel. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pleasure, David. And yeah, we've, uh, we've been through a lot of different uh, journeys together in the transhumanism, uh, various sorts of internet technology, and now uh, AI and, and most recently blockchain. And of course, these are all, these are all part of the same uh, same web of uh, ideas and, 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 and dynamics. So and, got, and, I think uh, and, and if I'm not mistaken, we are also born the same year and, and month. I think you are a week older or something like that, or, or me, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't yeah. matter. 1960, <laughs> December 1966. Yeah. Oh, no, then, then it is a year. There you go. Uh, uh, I'm older. Uh, and as the, the senior one. Uh, I can tell you that getting old sucks and dying even more. So please, can you hurry up so that AIs can design the next generation technologies that allow us to upload our minds and, uh, well, pretend that we don't die because our uploaded mind lives. Um, uh, otherwise, we end up uh, being uh, those that share uh, the common fate of all futurists. Uh, they are all dead. 
uh, and and uh, to be able to falsify that uh, trend uh, would be pretty cool. Well, yeah, we can uh, if we if we exhaust nearer future topics, we can dig into uh, into reincarnation and resurrection machines, David. I mean, we 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 may we may be able to reconstitute some of those who have died from the records they've they've left behind. On the other hand, it'll be even more aesthetically satisfying to to keep going without that sort of profound discontinuity and 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 yes uh, let's uh, uh, start from the present and then uh, go into far futures uh, of uh, billions uh, of years and uh, metaverses uh, and and megaverses and multiverses um, one of the things that uh, I, I love to do is uh, uh, to fly uh, on these wonderful AR systems, uh, Google Earth, uh, very uh, prosaically, uh, from where I am in Bergamo, Italy, to uh, where you are in Vashon Island near Seattle, uh, on the other part of the world. Uh, until recently, you were in Hong Kong, then uh, you decided uh, that maybe uh with uh, either covid encroaching or mainland china deciding that the agreement they had uh, with the brits uh, shouldn't apply anymore you know whatever it was but you decided to move right yeah i i lived in hong kong for for 8 8 to 9 years and had an amazing time in in asia and i still i still love hong kong and love asia and plan on spending a lot of a lot of time there but yeah I, I, actually my my relocation to Seattle area was driven by more prosaic matters. I mean, I have a two-year-old kid and my mom and sister and a bunch of aunts and uncles and so on live in Seattle area. So it, it was more about wanting to raise the, the next batch of uh, natural general intelligences in, the, in my, my uh, gen genomic uh, surround and, and bring them up around extended family. But yeah, in, in, indeed, you know, for COVID, we're a lot better off in Hong Kong or China that, than in the U.S. Like things are pretty much back to normal over there, whereas U.S. is being a bit more haphazard. But the the recent political changes in Hong Kong were not tremendously thrilling to any of us us expats living there. I mean, in 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 the end, you know, we Singular Unit has an office in Hong Kong. We're, we're doing some really exciting work there in uh, robotics and AI and other areas. And I mean, life is going on as, as usual for our team there from a practical standpoint. But con concept conceptually, I I had a fondness for the the previous configuration of, of Hong Kong certainly, and yeah. the, the new the new national security laws and so forth. Uh, I can't say that had any practical impact on my life there, nor can I say it, it sent great stirrings of joy through my heart to see that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Emiliano says hello to Ben, and uh, uh, he says he's watching from Genoa, Italy. So uh, thank you, Emiliano. And uh, we welcome your questions uh, as we get into the themes of, uh, of today. So what what drove you to to ai to start and when was that was that a teenage or later yeah i mean i got interested in ai when i was probably two or three years old or something just from seeing the original star trek and the uh -huh. robots and then original star trek and other similar science fiction movies movies and then uh 
2001 the space odyssey some sometime in the preschool years right i, I mean all, all these gave visions of robots which weren't necessarily appealing a lot of these were nasty insane or evil robots but they some like space 1999 were just silly but at least they they put in my head well you know you can engineer intelligent systems and then sort of all bets are off they could be super good super evil super intelligent super super demented right but it, it seemed like a very a very fascinating thing and so i you know as soon as i got old enough to look at technical literature and such i i, I in my teenage years and i really dug more deeply into into the ai field and i started to realize well this it's not just science fiction. This is something that could be done in my in my lifetime. Of course, I was a bit over optimistic when I like when I first discovered programming. It, it was it wasn't like now when you can program in in, in kindergarten, right? Because you, you didn't have home computers. So my, my dad had access to like HP three thousand computers with uh, punch cards and stuff at Rutgers University, where he's a professor. And then when I was fourteen. I saved up money from uh, delivering papers door to door and managed to save up like quarters and nickels to buy a crappy uh, Atari 400 computer. You could program assembly language and basic and stuff. So once I got a practical sense for programming and how powerful it was, I figured, well, we should be able to program a human level intelligence in just a few years. Humans aren't that clever after all. And I mean, now, now I'm I'm uh, 53, like it, it's almost 40 years later. I'm 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 still at it, right? So I mean, clearly, it's a little tougher than I thought it was at first. On the other hand, computers are way way more powerful now. You know, algorithms have have developed. There, there's there's so much more more data, and conceptually, I mean, the picture I got in my head as a teenager, first exploring AI, you know, it's it's just because come to seem more and more realistic the the older I've gotten the more we've understood about AI and neuroscience and, and inf information processing uh, and uh, we are I think lucky that uh, rather than Leonardo that designed the helicopter and then it took 500 years to uh, for metallurgy to get uh, sophisticated enough in engineering to uh, make his dream practical uh, we have seen uh, progress uh, in AI that... Uh, Incredible. I mean, the amount of progress each month in some fields is mind-blowing. Like, like, yeah, like from, say, 2013 to 2017 or something, computer vision was just revolutionized every couple months. And now the, the last few years since uh, Google introduced the, uh, the BERT transformer neural net model with the paper attention is all you need, natural language processing has been like that right like one one mind-blowing new thing every every few months one after the other and you know not too long from now we're likely hit a phase where artificial general intelligence is in that same cadence of like every month there's some new mind-blowing aspect of general intelligence being being unveiled by by some uh, some research team right so i mean it's a yeah it's a tremendous time to be doing this and of course it's different than the, in the time of uh, Leonardo and Newton and Leibniz and all this. It was like one one mad scientist would sit in his uh, in his study, concocting ideas with very little feedback 
from others for, for years on end. Whereas now, now the nexus of innovation has really moved to the, the social network of scientists and, and engineers. And no one person and no one research group is really responsible for the lion's share of a of a revolution like say convolutional neural nets for computer vision or transformal neural nets for language or, or the next wave of, of agi innovation i mean the, these innovations are really being driven by a you know a self-organizing network of multiple individuals and multiple it systems sort of collaborating together and this this is driving the uh, exponential progress that that you and I have been familiar with for a long time and that our, that our friend uh, Ray Kurzweil has uh, proselytized so effectively. Um, so just uh, to, to highlight uh, what we are talking about, uh, let's see if I can uh, actually make this uh, uh, image uh, bigger. Um, uh, doesn't look like it. Um, um, so I hope uh, the, the, the streaming uh, allows uh, our viewers to see the image well. Um, there were certain traditional methods of image recognition that had uh, over 20% of error rate on a standardized uh, test called the uh, ImageNet contest, organized, if I'm not mistaken, by MIT. And then in 2012, uh, the deep learning algorithms first uh, implemented by AlexNet um, achieved the breakthrough that steadily drew, drove down the error rate until such a point where today we can say uh, image recognition by computers has a superhuman performance. And uh, so for a lot of people, uh, that is surprising because they don't uh, equate those um, tasks uh, with, for example, running, where we had, uh, for a long time, machines outperforming people. Uh, cars run much faster than any human could. And machines, uh, in terms of transportation, do also things that we could never do, like flying. Airplanes move not only faster, but completely differently than humans. Those people let... Uh, let's let's put aside metaphysical justifications. So people who have a, 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 a naturalistic and science-based outlook, like, for example, Roger Penrose, supposedly, uh, who are still saying that uh, AGI is not possible unless some very exotic and maybe unachievable condition is met. In the case of uh, Roger Penrose's using quantum nanotubules uh, that uh, he supposes are necessary uh, for implementing human level uh, AI. Do you think it is at all reasonable to maintain that position that, that AGI, artificial general intelligence, that can address any potential challenge shouldn't be doable or are we now ready to claim strongly that agi indeed is uh going to have this kind of breakthrough hopefully soon yeah i mean to my mind if we want to take modern science seriously then we're led pretty inexorably to the conclusion that agi 
on standard computer equipment is is almost surely a, 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 feas a feasible thing to do. And I, I mean, of course, science is never certain, right? And, and I mean, historically, what science was saying with great confidence has been upended in, in seemingly astounding and, and, and random ways, right? So we, as a scientist, you can never say you know something 100% for sure. But, but I mean, I think, I think it's uh, the viability of engineering AGI is, you know, it, that, that's about as, as solid as any practical conclusion of, of science is going to get. And you, you, you get this sort of confusion in the popular discourse about science all the time. Like there's a debate is, is evolution just a theory or is it a fact, right? And I mean, of course, evolution by natural selection, it is a theory. You don't know it for 100%. It's an extrapolation from observations and fossils that were dug up and experiments in the lab. On the other hand, it's, it's a theory that, you know, in a practical sense, you have a very high level of, of of confidence in right and of of course it could always happen that five thousand years ago a bunch of aliens landed on earth and lay things out in an exact way to make it look like evolution had had happened but we we discount that as being pretty damn unlikely so we're not going to spend a lot of cycles on it right so i think with with roger penrose and the microtubules and the orcho r theory and so forth i mean we we can't rule that out entirely because you know, and Laplace thought the universe was a clockwork, and then we got quantum mechanics. We, we should be humble enough to realize we could always be proved totally wrong. But if you look at what science is telling us now, I mean, we have classical mechanics, we have quantum mechanics. We know that any quantum system is equivalent to a quantum Turing machine, which can only compute the same functions that a classical Turing machine can compute. We know there's general relativity which doesn't expand the scope of, of what can be computed either, as, as far as we understand. I mean, we even have, we have papers like Scott Aronson's theory of computational complexity in closed time-like loops. Like if, if you have a time machine that can go backwards and influence your past and, and cause you to mate with your grandma or something and cause all sorts of weird, weird back-to-the-future type loops, you can study computational complexity of algorithms with these closed time-like loops. And you see that even in that case, you can't do magic. Like you can't compute NP-hard NP problems in polynomial time or something. So I mean, and we can look in the human brain and we can image in the brain, like what's happening when we're looking at something. Like you can, you can reconstruct what someone's seeing through their eyes as a movie from, from reading out from the neurons in, in their visual cortex, right? So I mean, if, if we put together what's known about physics and what's known about, about neuroscience, I mean, it's incredibly likely that some engineered quantum computer could yield human-level general intelligence because it seems incredibly likely that the human brain, to within close approximation, can be modeled as a quantum computer. And then it, it's, I'd say, very highly likely, if not as incredibly likely, that you can get way beyond human-level AGI using a classical digital computer, like, like the server farms that, 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 that we're dealing with now. I mean, the, whether you really need quantum mechanics and quantum computing, I mean, I, I would say science doesn't give a definitive pronouncement on that, but what we can say is, 
There is no solid data in the field of neuroscience suggesting that you need, you know, quantum non-locality and, and the high levels of sophisticated quantum computing to simulate what happens in the human brain, because there's no evidence the human brain is doing that. It's it's physically possible, but there's no evidence of it, right? And the, But what Penrose is saying is way beyond that, right? He, he, he's saying, like, uh, when we unify quantum theory with general relativity in some way that hasn't yet been specified and which is different than his own twister theory which is a quantum gravity theory that's deterministic and discrete actually but when you create that unification then you're going to find something that goes beyond current classical or quantum computing which is then going to be responsible for intelligence and creativity and to me of course it's possible but to me that's in the same vein as like maybe i'll wake up in five minutes and find out, you know, I'm actually a computer simulation running on some some aliens like third grade class project, and th this whole world is, is is a fake. I mean, of of course it's possible. I might be less shocked by that than 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 most of you out there, right? But but in a in a practical sense, there's too many such possibilities, right? It, it's yeah. just like, does God exist? There's too many possible gods. How would you choose? We we, we got to take we we, we got to take a practical perspective and, 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 and say what, like what what's reasonably likely based on the data that we have and it's funny that uh, uh just uh, in a few days uh we will have uh opens in in one day actually and two hours on the metaculous uh prediction uh platform uh, there is um uh, an upcoming um uh, opportunity to vote what is based on this uh, detailed uh, description uh, uh, that defines uh, what what the question means what is the date of the first AGI and so um, uh, if the wisdom of the crowds is any uh, indicator maybe in a month or, 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 or a few months we will have the cumulative uh, wisdom of those uh. who are to go there and to vote uh, creating a prediction with a given um, uh, shape of distribution. So are you pretty sure that the date is going to be, you know, uh, in uh, in 15 years? Uh, as, as yeah. I mean, so that about the distribution, that, that's that's interesting to think about. And it shouldn't it shouldn't look anything like that. Obviously, it should be more like a beta distribution or something. But if you if you think about the factors underlying the distribution, it's it's kind of interesting. So I mean the I mean the the the, the way I'm thinking about it, well, there's a lot of beta distributions, but yeah, it, it, it will be yeah, it, it will it will be like that kind, right? Which peaks soon and then and then and then deviates and then and then gradually slopes down. Yeah, something like the 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 red one there. Well, I mean, but if 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 you think about it. In terms of concrete technologies and scientific potentials, I, I would say, so if if my intuition is right, and we can build an AGI using, say, the next version of our OpenCog platform, OpenCog Hyperon, running on the next version of SingularityNet platform, like SingularityNet on Cardano, right? So if, if we can piece together technologies that we're now working on and upgrade them, and that yields AGI. So if my conceptual and mathematical approach to AGI is right. I mean, then then we could be, say, 
three to eight years from getting to AGI, depending on how much resources we we, we can get behind the, these AGI projects. Now, and the same is true if some other current team's paradigm and approach is basically right, right? So, I mean, if, if DeepMind's approach is basically right, or if Pei Wang's NARS approach is basically right, if if one of the horses in the race now is is running in the right direction, right? I mean, I mean that then then we could be certainly less than a decade, possibly a few years. Now, if if none of the approaches being taken now are correct, but you need some radically different architecture or approach, which I don't think is the case, but I have to admit is a possibility. But digital computing is good enough. I mean, we're we're probably still not more than a couple decades off because there, there's more and more and more enthusiasm and the energy going into the field. Computers are getting faster and faster. And, you know, so much money is being made, not just from AI, but from transfer learning and progressively slightly more general intelligence. Now, if, if digital computing won't cut it, and the brain really is a quantum computer in a strong sense, and then we need, the, we need quantum computers to get AGI, I think that's even less likely, but if so, you know, we're still looking at this century because quantum computing is, is progressing quite rapidly and, and excitingly, right? So, I mean, and, I, I think- And so we have uh, uh, specialized AI, narrow AI, designing quantum computers, uh, accelerating the loop further. Um, what this leads to, uh, and, and Emiliano has a, a remark about it, is that humans, and all kinds of AGIs are all uh, um, elements of a, of a larger class. Uh, uh, that is why I always talk about uh, AI and AGI in the plural, because we will have, after a period when we were kind of alone and we had dogs and we were projecting our intelligence in dogs because we wanted to be less alone or dolphins or whomever else, and of course, they are wonderful, but uh, we have a hard time having a dialogue with them and dreaming about the stars. Uh, we will feel less alone uh, because these conversations will explode with the explosion of uh, the varieties uh, of, of, of AI that, uh, that we have uh, around us uh, as well. Now, let's uh, uh, talk about uh, the uh, projects that, that, that you are leading uh, uh, singularity net uh, most uh, of all uh, tell me about it uh, what is the stage uh, for example there is a marketplace of uh, ai applications how uh, do you see the future of uh, singularity net in the next uh, two three years yeah so singularity net uh, i co-founded with a number of others in in 2017 and we've been working on it, it ever since the goal here was to make a decentralized and you know democratically governable infrastructure for AI. So with the with the OpenCog project and the new version of that Hyperon, I've been really working on hardcore algorithmics. Like what are the reasoning algorithms? What are the learning algorithms and so forth? But you know, once you have once you have an AGI algorithm and it's running on a lot of machines and crunching a lot of data, I mean then where does it run who who owns that software who controls that that software right and so that that's the problem that singularity net aimed to solve like i i don't want to see the first agi controlled by some 
big advertising company or possibly worse, a military company. You don't really want to see it sucked into one country's military intelligence apparatus and used as a, you know, in, 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 in some uh, Forbin project type, type rivalry. I'd rather see the first true AGIs develop more like the internet or, or Linux has as, as a, you know, widely globally distributed initiative contributed to by a host of different parties. And, and I think in, in, in that way, you have a larger chance of the first AGI developing in a way that's broadly beneficial to humans and, and other AGIs and other sentient beings that, that might be discovered, right? So, so the Singularity Net uh, all uh, open source? Singularity Net is all open source code. And beyond open source, though, the, the point of Singularity Net is it, it's a society of AI minds, of AI agents with no central controller. So I can put a bunch of AIs on. You can put an AI on your computer or on whatever cloud provider you want. All the AIs that are out there running, wherever they're running, owned by whoever owns them, if they broadcast a message across the internet saying, hey, I'm part of Singularity Net, right? I mean, then, then they're all co cobbled together into this decentralized network of, of AIs. And if you want to find an AI that does something, you put a request in this decentralized network and the request goes out peer to peer across the whole network so you can find who can do the thing that you want. And so then there's, there's a, a cryptographic token, the AGI token, which is used for paying for services in the, in this network. And there are, there's a system of smart contracts that, that regulate the interaction of the different AIs in the network. So the, the whole global society of minds is sort of self-organized and self-governed in a, in a decentralized way. So, I mean, if, if AGI comes out of like one company's efforts only, this isn't that important, but if you're going to have a situation where <clears throat> the path to AGI comes out of a lot of different components written by different people interacting and combining together, then you have something really, really cool, right? Where the whole AGI is just in this decentralized network that's owned by, owned by, by everyone and, and no one. So it's like a, you know, a BitTorrent model rather than an iTunes model of, of AGI or something. There, there's no, there's no monopolist. There's no monopolist behind it. And I think this is a, it's a fundamentally different platform for, for AGI. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem of what are the algorithms and data structures that give you AGI. It just gives you a different way to, to combine different algorithms and data structures is created by different people. And what is uh, Singularity Studio? So yeah, Singularity Net, we launched uh, a fully functional beta version of the platform uh, early 2019, and we put some AIs on it ourselves. There's some third-party AIs, a few running on there. And then the next challenge along the Singularity Net vector is getting traction for that platform, right? You got to get AI developers to put code into the platform and you need companies or individuals who need AI services to, to use the platform, right? And so this is the classic double-sided network effect uh, challenge faced by every platform, right? I mean, platforms are great. Everyone wants to have a platform 
But to grow a platform, you have to get supply and demand on the platform. And you can't get supply till you have demand. You can't get demand till you have supply. So Singularity Studio addresses that from the demand side by building enterprise AI applications that that draw on some proprietary Singularity Studio algorithms, but also on API calls into AI agents running on the SingularityNet platform. So it's it's both, it's a way to deliver, you know, better enterprise AI by using neural symbolic algorithms and by using the diversity of AI in the decentralized platform. And it's also a way to sort of juice up traction on the SingularityNet platform by from the from from the from the demand side. Because then if if companies are using Singularity Studios health tech or fintech products and then these products are making requests for ai into the decentralized ai network then that's giving a motivation for ai developers to put their ai ai into the network and it, i mean it's it's growing a bunch behind the scenes we haven't been that public with singularity studio yet but we're working with a number of, of enterprises and that there's some things that are going to become a uh, become public before too long i mean we'll we'll be announcing fairly soon some quite interesting stuff in the in the medical robotics space for 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 example which i think is a is particularly pertinent in this covid dominated uh, era right so i, I think uh, there's a but in the end this can apply across every vertical market because every everyone needs ai even if they don't know what it is so yeah um uh, you have been uh, very prolific uh, between um, being uh, editor and author. Um, Amazon currently lists uh, over 30 books uh, under your name. Uh, and uh, we have uh, uh, one of our uh, one of our viewers uh, asking uh, what is uh, the best book? Miku Computer is asking, what is the book that described oh, I would say, the AGI era? I mean, the, the book, The AGI Revolution, is is uh, from 2014 or so. So it's pre-singularity now. It doesn't go into the blockchain and decentralization per se. But, but it, it reviews both some of the practicalities of AGI and cognitive science and more futuristic topics like, uh, you know, AGI driven human immortality and uh, mind uploading and, and the singularity and, and so forth. Wonderful. Wonderful. So uh, recommended reading for card carrying singularitarians. Um, last year, I published an essay um, where I um, um, I, I, I articulated how uh, the original understanding that you and I um, live and breathe uh, and has been originally popularized by Ray Kurzweil uh, uh, and then uh, articulated uh, very deeply by Singularity University uh, of uh, the law of accelerating returns and exponential uh, growth uh, that uh, through... Um, concurrent or, or subsequent rather technologies is not exhausted because seamlessly these uh, generations uh, um, substitute each other and, and uh, allow uh, the self-fulfilling prophecy. For example, of Moore's Law, <laughs> true for 50 years and more, uh, 
is not enough anymore. And uh, uh, what I uh, looked at was uh, a report by Stanford University uh, together with um, uh, OpenAI that analyzed the, the data and said, oh, look, uh, uh, this logarithmic chart uh, of computing power uh, of, of uh, uh, AI compute uh, can be uh, broken into uh, sets. One, uh, from the 60s up until 2012, and since then, today. Because the first period obeyed Moore's law, they say, and the second period is a new era of AI, uh, where the doubling, rather than being every two years, is every four months. Yeah, I mean, this is GPU, this is multi-GPU servers, basically. Yes. So, I mean, and so I, I think... We're going to see what, what I think we're going to see a few years from now. We're going to see the launch of graph processors, right? Yeah. So, so GPUs are really good for accelerating any form of AI that's basically doing matrix manipulation, mostly matrix multiplication and, you know, deep neural nets, other kinds of neural architectures are like that. I mean, PCA support vector machines. There's other AI that's like that too. Now, what we're doing with the OpenCog Hyperon and, and what we're doing with some of the more advanced aspects of SingularityNet, this is really heavy on graph processing, like nodes, large nodes and links and hyper, hypergraphs, links pointing to multiple nodes. It's heavy on large-scale distributed graph processing. And that doesn't boil itself down quite as naturally to matrix multiplication, but... You know, you have GraphCore now, which is putting graph processing on a chip. That's kind of specialized to, you know, floating point labeled graphs rather than discrete graphs. But I think we're going to see a series of other graph processing chips that are better and better for supporting applications like uh, OpenCog Hyperon and SingularityNet. So I think just as we've seen a special acceleration due to you know, multi-GPU servers led by NVIDIA and then followed by Google with the, the Tensor chip and so on. I, I think I think we're going to see an even greater acceleration once we have graph chips and, and, and graph chip-based server farms in, 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 in wide use. And then that's that's not even onto quantum graph chips yet. Like that, that, that'll, that'll be the next, next one after and, and that. I agree. And I agree because I believe that this analysis was too crude and, and naive. Uh, what uh, they should have concluded is that we are in a different paradigm where the acceleration, the rate of acceleration is uh, increasing. And even without uh, going into new architectures, I was uh, proven right because uh, when uh, in 2019 um, this uh, report was written, they were referring to a year before. So let's say two years ago, the rate of doubling was four months. And just four days ago uh, at their yearly conference, the uh, CEO of uh, NVIDIA, uh, said that the doubling now on GPU architectures is every two months. So already in two years, the rate of acceleration doubled, right? 
And that is what uh, I call jolting technologies because jolt is the first derivative of acceleration, is the measure of the increase of acceleration. So um, the, uh, the, the question uh, is, where is this uh, going to, to lead? And oh, I, I learned the third derivative was jerk, not jolt. So we really need we need jerking AI. <laughs> well, you are welcome to choose that. Uh, <laughs> jolt are and and rather than jerking, I prefer the, <laughs> talking about fair, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah. And and uh, and then there is also jousting uh, mm -hmm. and jouncing. The jounce is oh, that's uh, the next uh, derivative up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot, and and you know uh, that's kind of the point. Um, AIs and AGIs uh, are going to be still, in my opinion, and, and and maybe you share that too, subject to natural laws, and as a consequence, uh, they may um, go through their own technological singularity. They well, may. They, they will also discover presumably different natural laws than the ones we currently consider to be the case, right? So, I, I mean, there's a, yeah, the, of course, the limits of physical law as understood by humans of previous centuries are in many ways violated by physical law as we understand it now. But, but I mean, we have, we see new limits now, right? So, and we just can't tell, we can't tell what will be the physical constraints as understood by or confronted by massively super superhuman minds. I mean, any more than my dog can understand how to access the internet through my laptop. Uh, uh, the um, assigning of the Nobel Prize in physics uh, to black hole uh, theories and experiments was wonderful. And for me, what was especially beautiful is how uh, a previously impenetrable object uh, actually represented by the event horizon being uh, a one-way membrane of, of information even, uh, is today not only understood and categorized in its structure and nature, but actually we are using the uh, merger of uh, black holes as a new kind of uh, cosmological telescope because via the uh, gravitational waves, we are building a much richer understanding of the workings of the universe. And I was wondering, since Lee Smolin uh, tried pen and paper to design a universe that could generate more black holes than ours, and he failed, basically concluding that uh, uh, matter uh, and natural laws are maximizing the universe's ability to generate black holes if the analogy of the technological singularity not being an impenetrable uh, membrane anymore as we look beyond trying to understand post-singularitarian uh, lives and, and how AGIs of several orders could uh, interact and explore the universe, if maybe intelligence can be seen uh, as uh, a maximizer of technological singularities and, and how this then relates to the Fermi paradox where we don't see uh, aliens uh, uh, because we don't understand enough about uh, the workings of the universe. Um, so 
I don't know uh, how you see about uh, uh, the opportunities that we will have uh, and, 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 and how uh, humans 1.0 will be able to relate to those opportunities, but whether in uh, 30 years or in 300 years. Well, are you, you're familiar with uh, my good friend uh, Hugo de Garis, his notion for uh, SIPI instead of SETI, SIPI, the search for, for intraparticulate intelligence. So what? Oh, what Please explain. Yeah, yeah. So what he what he conjectures is once a civilization passes the singularity, in search of greater intelligence and greater diversity of information processing and such, it will downsize downsize itself so that it can get more and more processing and more efficiently. Since I mean, special relativity limits speed of of, of information transmission the speed of light. So if you want to be smarter. All else equal, you want to be smaller and have your pieces packed closer together. So the the end of the limit there is you want to pack your intelligence into like uh, the interactions of uh, of quarks or partons or whatever the smallest uh, smallest right. chunks you can find. So maybe maybe the random movements that we believe the movements we believe are random uh, at the quantum level, perhaps they're actually not random, but they just have a larger algorithmic information that our minds can comprehend. And they're actually the thought processes of, of super intelligences. So and, that and the what, random instances, when they interact with us, uh, we call them ghosts. Uh, we call them angels. Yeah. Or, or they're just, they're, they're influencing us in some way that we don't, we don't recognize. Right. So, so I, I mean, so in, in that case, one hypothesis will be, once we upgrade our intelligence tremendously or create AGIs that have radically greater general intelligence than us, various forms of ambient general intelligence will be found. And we were just sort of too stupid to, to notice that they were there because the patterns they're enacting aren't the sorts of things that we're, we're able to see either because of their scale or for, for other, other different reasons. Right. And I mean, that's, that's one of those, imponderables where like what we can do in practice we can focus on creating something that say two times or ten times smarter than us and that has some compassion and benevolence toward us and once you've done that then that creation which is two or ten times smarter than you be it an uploaded human you know and or an engineered system then the next steps are are up to that mind, right? Which which may be an expansion of you, or it may be another guy who, who who's your friend. But I mean, of course, it's fun to speculate about, you know, the 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 infinite algorithmic information minds at at the big crunch, like James Chipler did in the physics of immortality. I mean, it's fun to think about all this stuff. But I mean, in in, in practice, you know, whatever we think, we're we're going to get wrong. And so when when time for daydreaming is done and you're back to building and planning, building something that's benevolent, compassionate, and dramatically more generally intelligent than us, I mean that's really that's really the the, the best course. And so that, that's what I'm spending most of my time on. And and um, is is it is it uh, useful to think about the merits of the simulation uh, hypothesis uh, or? Or it is not especially. Not, I, I mean, it, it's not. It's not very useful from an AGI point of view, right? I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather focus on building superhuman thinking machines that can understand the nature of reality better than any human. From a sort of speculative physics point of view, 
it's interesting to think about the idea that our universe, our 4D space-time continuum, is embedded in some larger sort of space, right? And what what dynamics would happen in this larger space that would spawn a 4D space-time continuum like ours? What information transfer might there be? There's a huge amount of fascinating possibilities there. I mean, I wrote I wrote a long paper on this, which was called Yuri uh, Physics, E-U-R-Y Physics, where Yuri is a prefix that means wider, which is how Europe got its name. It, it, it's a wide land, right? So, I mean, you can think of maybe there's a wider universe containing our 4D space-time continuum. Could that wider universe have some intelligence to it of some form? Could it have other intelligence minds in it that aren't restricted to our space-time continuum? Absolutely so. It's possible, and I'm not going to say that that's any less worthwhile to think about than, say, string theory or something, right, which also has these higher dimensions in which our, our physical universe is, is contained. It's just the higher dimensions in string theory have more physics-like laws instead of mind-like laws or something, right? So, I mean, I think that's that's all very cool to think about. Most likely, everything we think in that direction is going to sound like absolute gibberish to us like 50 years or 20 years from now once we've radically upgraded our intelligence. But I mean, I, I would never want to shut people off from cool, imaginative, speculative thinking because us humans are way too regimented and closed-minded and exploring cool ideas like that stimulates stimulates the, the brain. But I, I do think the sort of quasi-Christian overtones to a lot of simulation hypothesis speculation don't do much for me like the idea that there's some anthropomorphic guy in some other universe who created or spawned this universe and we're living in like a digital aquarium on some god or, or, or some alien programmer's desktop i mean that we can't rule it out but if you look at the scope of possible hypotheses for what our universe is and how it might relate to some broader containing universe these these simulation hypotheses involving a god or an alien programmer with an anthropomorphic personality i mean these i i assign these very very small probability mass right i mean maybe maybe larger than the story of the the bible or the quran but not not, not too much larger anyway it's the same order of magnitude um Sorry, there are so many uh, questions. Um, we will, we will uh, uh, delicately ignore the questions about the price of the AGI token uh, that are kind of uh, uh, ir irrelevant or... or well, answers to that won't hold up well over time. As, as a, that, that is a, as a very high volatility to but, it. But this one, I, I like this one from Casey. Uh, because of course uh, there are people uh, whose narrative is is directly uh, um, dystopian, and they say, "Oh yes, uh, uh, AI, and let alone AGI, is going to render humans useless economically, and as a consequence, worthless to society." And uh, the reason why that is. Um, uh, so important to, to, to combat, to counter, is because humans will not accept that. Uh, losing a sense of purpose and dignity, uh, enough people, you convince that about it, they will just tear the whole civilization down rather than, than accept it. Um, but luckily, uh, 
at least as far as I am concerned, it is also wrong. Um, you know, there is so much to do in the universe that AGI will not worry about stealing our jobs. It will not care. And uh, we can use the tools that are not uh, going out to explore, but choose to stay with us. Well, tools or, or, or personhood uh, given to them, uh, our companions, to do so much more. And, and, and so my answer to Casey's question, how long until people will choose to work rather than a social contract imposing them to waste their life doing jobs they hate is hopefully soon, but certainly by the time AGI is here. Well, what do you think? It's not certain that it will be by the time AGI is here. That depends how the AGI is rolled out, which brings us back to singularity and the value for democratic decentralized AGI, right? So, I mean, I think I think we're we're clearly on the trajectory where, you know, within decades at most, the fundamental need for human labor will be gone. So, I mean, yeah, if we get a radically superhuman AGI in, fi in five years from now, of course, that AGI might make more and more and more inventions at a very rapid pace that would eliminate the need for human labor like within a year of the AGI's creation, right? But now, if things happen more progressively than that, it could be a few a few decades in, in, until all all need for human labor is gone. But there's yeah, there's certainly no doubt no doubt that that's where it's going. And I mean, then there's a question of you know what careers do you want to focus on so that you won't be obsoleted prematurely and and you'll you'll do okay in in in, in the interim, which seems to be you know creativity mix of technical and 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 social skills and 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 and, and so forth. But I think the the scary prospect is where either AGI or very advanced neuro AIs come and they do eliminate the need for human labor in the advanced economy, but their ownership is siloed in a few big companies or a few developed countries. And then, you know, what happens to the average people in, say, Central African Republic if, okay, there's no need for there's no need for people to sit in a factory and, and put the shoelaces in shoes because there's robots can do that. And there's no need for humans to go and asphyxiating themselves, digging in, digging in the mine because we have robots to do that. On, on, on the other hand, if we have no need for human labor, but also ownership of the AGI, you know, centralized among, among a few wealthy companies, then what, what, what exactly is, is happening do we have a two-level economy where people in some in some developed countries build big walls around their country and everyone lives off universal basic income and they they're focusing on you know spiritual and intellectual and virtual reality porn and, and social interactions with a big wall around the country and then what in the rest of the world people go back to subsistence farming right well but they're still on the internet so their teenage kids are are hacking into the power system of 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 all the uh, the privileged guys living in robotopia in 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 their walled first world gardens right so i mean if there's agi comes and it develops unevenly i mean then you you have a situation where the need to work is eliminated for some and the opportunity, but not the need to work, is eliminated for others, right? And then, then, right. then, then, then you've got potentially quite unpleasant 
scenarios and the way world politics is going is not exactly pushing us away from that right because the developed countries are wanting to build walls like keep keep the immigrants out stop 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 the exports but yet the development of technology is not consilient with that at all right the development of technology is 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 global so, so there, there are there are many many uh, things uh, many aspects in, in what you just said of course uh, it, it, the the ownership uh, of uh, AIs and AGIs, uh, or the question of what will happen uh, when they get to self uh, ownership, we could, because yes, I assume we will be able to own an AI for long, but I would be surprised if an AGI will not uh, emancipate itself uh, rather rapidly. Uh, but we we also have to get there. And whether it will take 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, we already have and will have an increasing level of social disruption unless we employ superior AI-infused uh, matching algorithms that really uh, allow people to find and, and uh, uh, acquire skills for fulfilling jobs. Uh, I am uh, working and I have started working recently with a company called uh, Torre, that does exactly that. And uh, a little bit like uh, we had a fragmented and incredibly uh, low performing uh, landscape for search before Google, uh, where you would uh, use Alta Vista, if uh, some of our viewers remember, uh, to find uh, nothing and it would be eminently hackable. Uh, but then Google provided uh, uh, the page rank that uh, created a network that dynamically represented the reputation and the value of the web pages, Tora is creating a page rank for people uh, uh, where uh, the dynamic network of uh, recommendations uh, derives uh, the weight from upstream recommendations and back to infinity. Uh, and it is a very elegant approach uh, with um, uh, almost a million people already on the platform uh, that uh, I am uh, really excited about and uh, and uh, crossing fingers that it can keep uh, uh, growing. Uh, Manolo uh, asks, uh, what is the uh, simplest way to communicate to others how to get excited about AGI? Well, what, what I've what's what's been striking to me, having worked on. AI professionally for more than 30 years. And, you know, I introduced the term AGI in 2004 or so, but I was pushing the idea way before that. It's striking to me how much more broadly accepted it is now than even five years ago, let alone, let alone 10 or 15 years ago. And I think, I think that's because people can see narrow AI doing more and more things in the world around them. Like it was 10 years ago, people were saying that face recognition will never be done by AIs because you need a human brain to do that. And, you know, now once it was rolled out, people are like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a commodity functionality, whatever, right? And the same with chess and go, people were like, well, that, that, that requires human intuition and passion and insight. And then once it's done by an AI, people are like, well, that's okay. That's just a game, whatever on the, on to the next thing. So I think now, now people are seeing that AIs can solve particular hard problems, but the, the, these narrow AIs, 
know, they don't understand the context in, in which they're operating. So they're, they will help people, but they will also give people headaches because people people need to coordinate all these narrow AIs and 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 make them make them do things and 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 that in in some ways is harder than than living in a world without 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 all these narrow AI systems like talking to the narrow AI call center uh, staffer is not necessarily better than talking to a human call center staffer right and uh, I, I mean in some ways. In some ways, using a smartphone is better than using an old Nokia phone. In other ways, it's it's a pain in the ass because there's too many configuration options and it screws up on you all the time. We, right? we are at a boundary where um, uh, both sides should embrace and use. Uh, yeah, so I think we're we're far enough along now that we see narrow AI can do all these particular things. But if it's really going to make all our lives easier, it has to have some common sense and some understanding of, of context. Because now living immersed in this world with, you know, phones and quasi self-driving, but not quite self, self-driving cars and automated call center bots that are really stupid and just are an obstruction to getting what you need. Like we're in a position where these these half intelligent systems and these narrow AIs that don't understand context are on the one hand, they're helping us. On the other hand, they're making us tense and over busy and screwing up our lives. And so we, we need to take the next level to where the mechanical systems that we're interacting with understand us and have some understanding of, of, of context so that they're, they're actually making our lives easier so we can stop stressing out and overworking and stop screwing with the configuration options on our phone and like uh, relax and enjoy our humanity because the AGIs are doing all the tedious work. So uh, Ben, uh, this was a wonderful uh, conversation. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Jake uh, says that uh, uh, he thanks us for pushing the boundary and making the world a better loving place. Uh, Luke uh, uh, thanks us for our relentless optimism and courage to fight for an incredible future and many, many other uh, positive comments. Uh, so um, I, uh, I am glad uh, for all our viewers and their participation. Uh, and uh, I, am, uh, I am sure that uh, we will be able to uh, take advantage of all these good vibes uh, that, uh, that we are receiving. So, uh, Ben, uh, good luck. All right, yeah, th thanks for all the questions, everyone. And I'm sorry I couldn't answer all, all the questions that, that have been posted, but that, that, that would keep us going for many days, I think. And, uh, and, and, the, the, and the Singularity Net Volunteers channel was very kind because uh, uh, there was a lot of dialogue uh, in, the, in the conversations as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm uh, now and then I pop up on the Singularity Net uh, Telegram channel, and you can ping me some more questions there. And I'm I'm also uh, Ben Ben Gertzel, uh, on, on on Twitter, so I can't I can't answer everything people throw at me, but I'm I'm generally interested to dialogue about 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 all these fascinating and important things. So yeah, thanks uh, thanks David for uh, for having me here. Uh, I I hope to. Hope to pop up pop, pop up again uh, not not too long from now. Talk about some more of the cool new initiatives that we're launching with the AGI and SingularityNet. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Ben. Thanks. So uh, uh, thank you, uh, everyone. Uh, I am uh, very very glad that uh, 
this uh, hour uh, was stimulating and entertaining for so many of you. Um, some of you asked uh, uh, if it is going to be posted. Well, uh, it is already. Uh, after I hit the button and the broadcast, it will be available on the same URLs, whether you were watching on Facebook or Twitter or, or YouTube, you will be able and, and, and watch it. I am not taking down these, but they live on. So uh, please uh, subscribe to uh, the channel uh, on YouTube and uh, put a like uh, on uh, searching for the question uh, page uh, on Facebook. Uh, keep your questions coming. Uh, also, uh, you can go to uh, the website, uh, searching for the question dot live sftq.live uh, to suggest uh, new uh, uh, new guests and vote uh, on guests uh, um, as uh, entertaining and stimulating as uh, Ben I am sure uh, and uh, if you enjoy uh, these conversations uh, uh, please uh, support uh, uh, the initiative uh, on patreon.com slash the